is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 496, recorded on Thursday, September the 10th, 2020. Jason, how's it going this week? Um, I sure, I'm sure glad it's Friday. I think I may, might have mentioned this before. It's not actually Friday, but my brain has told me it's Friday at least twice today. Well, brain. it will be Friday soon. Very soon. But you know what? If it was still Wednesday, do you know what that would mean? Um, what? It would mean that it was Wednesday, September the 9th. And that means that yesterday was the 11th birthday of our podcast. Really? I hadn't realized that. 11th birthday. That's right. 11th birthday. So happy birthday to us. Pretty soon this podcast is going to be able to drive. (laughs) Pretty soon it'll be able to drive. It'll be able to drink. And Uh uh, then it'll just... You know, be an adult for a while. And well, you should it. never do both. I don't care if you're a podcaster or a real person. You should never mix those activities together in any way, shape, or form. No, no, that's very good advice. Very good advice. But yeah, yesterday was the uh, 11th anniversary of the show. So um, huh. good times. Good work, Chris, on uh, 11 years. <laughs> Thanks, man. Congratulations. I also want to bring up another important milestone that's coming up soon, and that is our 500th episode. Mm-hmm. So you may ask, Jason, what is it that we are going to do to mark the 500th episode? What is it that we're going to do to mark the 500th episode, Christopher? Not a lot. I'll be honest with you. Excellent. Uh, That's my favorite kind of thing to do. (laughs) Not very much. (laughs) No. So here's the deal. We decided a little while ago that we're going to record enough shows between now and the season 10 finale on October 4th so that we can cover that episode on our 500th episode. Make them make the two line up nicely so we can celebrate both at the same time. Synergy. It's called synergy. There you go. Some some podcast Walking Dead synergy. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then friend of the show, Glenn, uh, wrote, sent me a message and said, Hey guys, I got this idea. Why don't you ask your listeners to kind of like record their names for the intro to the 500th episode? So when I say, hey, my name is Chris, and then you go, and my name is Jason, then we can have a bunch of other people go, and I'm Glenn, and I'm so-and-so, and and this and that. Um, And I thought that was a fun idea. The only problem is if we get a lot... The intro to the show is going to go on forever, and I think it might go on for too long. Yeah. So yeah. I thought, this is a good idea. Let's let's ask people to do that, record their names or themselves introducing themselves. And if I get tons, what I'll do is I'll randomly select five to ten that we'll use at the top of the show, and then the rest I can play towards the end, maybe. Well, I mean, we end the show with, my name is Chris, and... My name is Jason as well. Very true. Right? So we, we could just let her go and then people can press stop if they want, or they can listen like I will of, uh, all the names. No, I will too, for sure. So, so that's a good idea. What we'll do is we'll choose a few randomly from the selection for the top of the show and then play the whole bunch at the end of the show. So, um, 
let's practice once, Jason. I'll be me. Sure. And then you be you. Do I have to be me? No. Do you want to be somebody else? Well, sometimes. I'll, I'll go ahead and be me this time, but maybe next time I can be somebody else. All right. And then what we'll do is after I'm me and you're you, I'll be someone else and then you be someone else. And we'll do four and as like a practice run. Sure. All right? Yeah. Here we go. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And my name is Steve. And my name is Rick Moranis. Perfect. You see? And it'll go on like that for a little while. And then uh, not too long. And then we'll get into the show. So if you want to record your name doing that, if you've been a listener for one day or 11 years, either way, doesn't matter. Record yourself doing that. Send it to us. You can also do it by visiting the website, talkingdeadpodcast.com and clicking on send voicemail. That'll do it as well. Um, We'll we'll mix it up and we'll play some of those and it might be sort of fun. If you've always wanted to hear yourself on the show, but have never uh, sent in a message, this is a good, uh, good way to dip your toe in, right? Yeah. And almost everybody knows their name. Almost everybody. That's right. It should be an easy thing to do. Um, there you go. So that's going to be for the 500 episode, 500th episode, which will release shortly after uh, the Walking Dead finale airs on October the 4th. And hopefully it's fun. So do me a favor and get those in before October 4th, if you can on like by the 4th would be great. That'll give me enough time to kind of get organized and, and include them in the show. All right, Jason, we are Mm -hmm. going to cover, uh, we're going to talk about a movie on the show today called blood quantum. But first we're going to do a segment on the walking dead news. The walking dead news. Now, Mr. Miles, I know you don't really uh, follow the Walking Dead news outside of this podcast. Yes. You're not spending a lot of time on Twitter, on Facebook, on uh, news websites. You don't have any alerts set up for the Walking Dead news items that are coming through. You generally have no idea what's going on. Yes. All right. Well. (laughs) Just, you know, you can apply that to a lot of different topics. (laughs) <laughs> but specifically for The Walking Dead, I don't have any idea what's going on. I think you and I, after the podcast last week, uh, we went on my Twitter feed. And the last post I made was, what, 2016? Which surprises me because that's only four years ago. And that's a weird, that feels weird to me. It feels more like 10. And I'm confused that Twitter is still a thing. Well, it is still I mean, a I know thing. the president tweets, but. I mean, other people do, but that, those are the only tweets that ever make the news. Yeah, for the most part. Well, <laughs> that I pay attention to. Some Walking Dead news came out yesterday. Uh huh. I think it's a bit of a big deal. Okay. Here we go. I don't. I don't know what it is. You're going to tell me. I hope. I'm about to tell you. Okay. Good. The Walking Dead, Jason, is ending after season eleven. <sighs> okay. I. <laughs> I'm in shock a little bit, but this, uh, this is kind of sad, but it also opens up some opportunities, right? AMC has officially announced that The Walking Dead will end in 2022 after season 11. They also announced that season 11 will be 24 episodes long, which is more than just the 16 that they've been doing since season one. That's solid math you're doing there, Chris. Yeah. Thank you. And I I don't have all the details on this, but it sounds like 
well, it'll be stretched over two years. So I guess that means <laughs> that it will be, it will start in 2021. I'm assuming next fall, right? A year from yep. now, basically. And we'll get maybe 12 episodes and then we'll get the final 12 in 2022. But I don't know if that means early 2022 or fall 2022. Like, why? Why call it one season when in fact it's going to be two? It's true. It's true. I, mean, I don't know. Mad Men did this and yeah. Battlestar Galactica did this. It's just, you know, call it the end of the goddamn season instead of just this, uh, you know, season four, part one and season four, part two, at the very least that fucked up my DVD buying. Right. <laughs> but now I don't buy DVDs, so it's not so bad, but I hear you. I'm going to have to pay for like, I, I buy all the walking dead on iTunes. I buy the whole seasons. I buy the season pass for whatever walking dead show comes out. Am I going to have to buy two different season passes or am I going to buy one season pass? and I'm going to get the whole goddamn thing spread out over four friggin' years. No, I think you're going to buy one pass and it's going to be spread over the two years because they consider it one season. Yeah. I don't think they would hesitate to milk more money out of us poor schmucks that pay for well, stuff. But no, but they, they pay for, you, you pay for it based on the number of episodes. So whether you buy it once or you buy two individuals, it's still the same cost. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, but I mean, the point is it's ending. <laughs> yes, it absolutely, that is absolutely true. It is, it is ending. And I mean, it's been a, a long run. 11 seasons is friggin' huge mm -hmm. for any TV show. Uh, then there's going to be those movies apparently. Well, that's sort not of. all. Yeah, that's not yeah. all. So they announced the se that season 11 would be the last. They announced that it will be 24 episodes long. Don't forget, we also have what I'm calling season 10.5 coming in early 2021 next year, which is yep. six episodes that they're sort of tacking on to the end of season 10. So 24 plus six is 30 plus the season finale, which hasn't aired yet, is 31. We have 31 more episodes of The Walking Dead, and then it's done. Yeah, that's like two full seasons. That's basically two full well, seasons, yeah. Yeah, so 16 episodes times two would be 32, right? There you so go. That's basically two full seasons that are left. And when you fact... calling it one season. Well, like, when, you, when you factor in the fact that some of them will probably be an extra five minutes here, extra 10 minutes there. It mm -hmm. might add up to that 32nd episode and we've got basically two seasons left. Now I understand this. Like, yes, we're going to talk about the actual ending of the show and what that means in the great scheme of things. But, uh, when the shows do this, right. When they split things up and they go, oh, we're going to give a 10, uh, you know, part of a season here and a part of the season there. And we're going to do a little bit of a half season in between. And we're going to, it, it just, it, it messes with my nice, neat, organized mind on how things should go, right? This is why, you know, the, I've talked about it a couple of times, but the show 24, right? Mm -hmm. I used to watch 24 when it was actually being aired. I'm sort of rewatching it now. It has problems. It, uh, it's not a great show. It's an okay show, uh, generally speaking, but you know, flicking on the TV when you're about to start watching 24, you know what you get. Because the goddamn show is called 24. You, there's going to be 24 episodes. I thought right? it referred to the fact that it was over, each episode took place over 24 hours. 
No, each episode happens in real time, my friend, and the whole season happens in 24 hours. Oh, right. I did know that. So, yeah. yeah, so everything is real time. So, you know, Jack Bauer can travel across Los Angeles at the speed of light. Of course And he the can. man never poops. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, you can hold it. If you're, you know, got as much crap going on as Jack Bauer in a 24-hour period, I mean, pretty sure your pooping is going to be last on your mind. Because right? he gets tortured on a regular basis and he's running around and stuff. You know, your body kind of adjusts and goes, yep, I'm not going to even suggest pooping for a little while. We're going to deal with that later. Right. That's not a thing. Right now, right now. run. Okay. <laughs> so dismisses with my nice or, or my nice mental picture of how television should be organized. And wow. uh, that's my problem. I recognize that. It, you know, things are not cut and dried like this. This is why I don't like book prequels, because uh, they mess with, you know, I'm looking at the uh, the Star Wars books, right? I want to get back into reading Star Wars novels. I don't know where to start. I don't know how to pick which ones to go to because they jump around in timelines. They jump around and stuff. Do I go by chronological order or do I go by the order of the books? Uh, from oldest, like in the timeline to the newest in the timeline, uh, there's parallel things going on. I mean, I don't know where to start. It's, it's so overwhelming. The, uh, the barrier to entry is so high that I can't even get started. Somebody help me. Well, somebody help you, somebody help Jason with that, but I, you're not going to have that problem here because you've got you can me, help me. You're helping me. I've got, you've got me to help you along. Exactly. But the real yeah. question though, Jason, for you is. What do you think of this decision? Is now the right time to end The Walking Dead? And if not, why was it two years ago? Well, we talked about this before, right? About the ending of the show. Was it time to end the show? And I think I felt that it was time to end the show or it would be soon. So I'm not terribly disappointed in this decision. No. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One... You know, really, if they try and play it out for any more than 11 seasons or 12 or whatever, you know, based on the number of episodes, however many, however much story they have left, if they try and play it out longer than that, they're running a serious risk of burnout from the audience, mm -hmm. right? There's, there's a lot of zombie shit out there now. Uh, so this was a, you know, the comic book was, was fundamental. This, this show was fundamental. It, you know, the, it, the time was right to start the show. I think they are not wrong in saying the time is right to end the show. Yeah. And when I made the joke a second ago about why was it two years ago, it was, it yeah. was a joke. I mean, I think the show over the, since season six or seven probably could have, and they could have announced an end time at any point during that. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's been so good for the last two years. I'm a little more pumped about it now. Right. So this news for me was kind of like, oh man, it's, it's, it's been great again for two years and now they're deciding to pull the plug. But yeah. I'm also not disappointed in any way about this because you're right. 11 years is an awfully long time. I feel like this is going to allow them in some ways to coincide with the end of the comic too, you know, right. based on where we are in the show, as it relates to the comic, I feel like we do have another season's worth of stuff to get through, but not too much more than that. So I think th that 
part of this decision for AMC had to be, we're running out of source material. We could push it beyond that. We've done other shows in this universe, clearly. So we're making up our own stuff. But why push the original show too far past the original source material? So I wouldn't be surprised if this show wraps up at a similar point and in a similar way to the comic, uh, which I know you don't really know because you haven't read to the end of the comic, but I must admit, I'm sort of looking forward to that. Now I can't. I mean, one of the reasons I haven't read to the end of the comic is, well, one, it just kind of fell out of mental favor. I don't know how else to phrase that. I just, I stopped being really super interested. Mm -hmm. Uh, And once I realized that uh, by not reading the comic, I can have fresh eyes on the show without being tainted, not tainted, but without knowing where the comic was going and then do a compare and contrast kind of thing. Once I realized that, I willfully decided never to go back or sorry, not to go back. Now I can. Yeah. In, in two years time or a year and a half time, whatever it is, you can go back and and read it probably closer. I got to start buying the frigging trade paperbacks again. I stopped at, uh, like 21, 22 and now there's probably like 80. I don't know. Pick up the hardcovers. The hardcovers are nice. I have every one except the last one so far. Yeah. So I can start collecting those again in anticipation of being able to read them when the show is done. So that's good. Well, there you go. The so, second reason that I like that they've announced the end of the show, uh-huh. uh, that I think that it was the right thing to do is that when shows decide the end point, they can wrap up the story nicely. The studio mm-hmm. agrees. The writers all agree. We know we have this many episodes. We know we now can plan out what that story arc is going to look like. And I like when they do that. Lost did that and they did it very well. Battlestar Galactica did that and they shit the bed. Uh, But there's lots of, you know, examples of shows being able to do that instead of waking up one morning and all of a sudden you're friggin' canceled. Like Firefly, like, uh, oh my God, um, uh, what's that show? Damn it. I was going to bring this up and I forgot to use my brain to think of the name of the show. Many shows have had that problem, right? They just end up being canceled one day and they have to wrap it up somehow. I, I, last man on earth was like that. Wasn't it? That, that, uh, yeah. last man on earth comedy, they didn't get much warning of it being canceled. No. And they just, they kind of moved from, uh, all of a sudden all these people, sorry, <sighs> shouldn't spoil that show. You should go watch the show. <laughs> it ends on a cliffhanger. <laughs> right. <laughs> Without much resolution, which is kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. Two guys go and uh, interview serial killers uh, that's in the seventies. Sh- I don't. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Woody Harrelson and uh, what's his name? That show? nope. That's True Detective. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're talking about uh, the guy who plays um, Christoph in the Frozen movies. I don't know, man. I don't know. I haven't seen it. <sighs> Anyways, listen, I got more news for you, Jason. Okay, all right, all right. So not only did they announce the end of The Walking Dead, AMC has already placed an order for a new series in the universe following Daryl and Carol. So Norman Reedus and (sighs) Melissa McBride will be back in their own Walking Dead spinoff show. It's untitled at this point, but it is scheduled to launch in 2023. After The Walking Dead is fully complete. And according to Hollywood Reporter, it will be overseen and showrun by Angela Kang. So she's going to finish off The Walking Dead and then move into this 
uh, new show with Daryl and Carol. Are there going to be, is it going to be a buddy cop show? Who knows? It might be. It's the two of them. I don't know. I don't like it when they do this kind of stuff. I'm, I'm nervous and a little bit sad. Well, I mean, by that time, Daryl, these two actors will have been playing these two characters for more than a decade. I guess they like them. They both signed big deals with AMC, you know, a year or two ago that's paying them a lot of money. And I suppose AMC, this is AMC's way of saying, okay, you know what? We can let the main show go, but we're going to bet on our two most popular characters and we can kind of keep it going by rebranding it and focusing on these two. Like it's a bit, um, I don't know, disingenuous that way, I think. But at the same time, these are popular characters. I enjoy watching them. Daryl's been better than he has been in a long time since Angela Kang took over. And maybe the two of them can create an entertaining TV show. Yes, I'm nervous, but yes. I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. The show that I was trying to re- remember is Mindhunter. Oh, okay. Mindhunter. I think that show has now ended. I don't think they're going to pick it up for a third se- third season. And I'm angry about that one. All right. Because that show, from the opening shot of the show, it's, I think I may have mentioned it before, it's like those writers reached into my mind and said, what would Jason like? And then <laughs> wrote a whole show about that. That's pretty good. So, yes. For so, you. yeah. And I want this show to last forever, but it's not going to last forever. And the guy that I was thinking of, his, uh, his name is uh, Jonathan Groff. And he plays, uh, he's the... It's he's really weird. You've seen Mindhunter, right? Nope. All right. In Mindhunter, he's very stoic and serious. In real life, real life, he's very bubbly and effervescent. And All he's right. a singer, and he has a lot of personality, and it just does not jive with the character that I've seen in Mindhunter. And God damn it, Chris, you should watch Mindhunter. I've heard that. I've heard it's very, very good. So I might get around to doing that. We'll see. Maybe when Walking Dead ends. <laughs> and apparently, he's in the Matrix Four. Yeah, that thing that thing's happening. Which is a yeah. whole different thing. I'm not sure it should. All right. Whatever. So back to this. Yep. We're got a buddy cop uh TV show happening with Daryl and Carol, which is, you know, obviously self titled. It's gonna be called Daryl and Carol, right? Or Carol and Daryl or Daryl and Carol Carol and a pizza place or Maybe something. Daryl and Carol. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's a dumb idea to have a spin off with two main characters. I mean have a spin off with side characters. That's fine. It, I mean, we've done that with, uh, you know, countless television shows. It, I mean, it kind of feels like it's essentially just a continuation of the show, but everyone else gets killed off and we just have these two left. Well, that's what I'm, uh, I think it's kind of cheap, right? You take them, you take the two main characters and you kill everybody else off and they start off with a whole new batch of characters. It's just, you know, if I was any other actor on that show, I'd be, I'd be upset. It's like, well, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you killing, going to get rid of everybody and just going with these two people? Well, maybe they're not getting rid of everybody because they announced something else, Jason. Uh, okay. This, this is a lot. There's a lot in a short period of time for my little brain. Yeah, I but know. Go ahead. Uh, another show. Scott Gimple is developing a Walking Dead anthology series called Tales of the Walking Dead. It has a name, Tales of the Walking Dead. And Uh Gimple said it will feature individual episodes or arcs featuring new or existing characters, backstories, 
or other standalone stories. So this is the show that there was some hints about recently in which we might jump back and we'll see a story involving Glenn or we'll see a story involving Lizzie and Mika for all we know, you know, the two girls. This is where they're going to go back in time and give us, you know, a look back maybe at some characters we know, maybe some new characters, and we'll see how it goes. So after The Walking Dead main show is done, we will have Fear the Walking Dead on the air, presumably. You know, you never know. We'll have um, the other new spinoff, The Walking Dead World Beyond. We'll have the Daryl and Carol show. And we'll have Tales of the Walking Dead. So we could lose one, but end up with four. <laughs> yeah. Daryl and Carol, Daryl and Carol's Variety Hour. Sure. Can we call it that? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think about an anthology series in this universe, though? Uh, I, I worry about such things. Because it's um, it seems to me like it's going to be a cash grab. Because this kind of thing is absolutely, uh, you know, made to make money. because you can uh, you can rely on the brand of The Walking Dead, and you can rely on the uh, uh, the people to view this show, saying, "Oh, it's more stories in the Walking Dead universe." And since they're going to be using actors that they don't have to uh, have around for more than one episode, you can pay them fucking garbage, and you can make a show that is peanuts for uh, cost of actors, but is a grand money maker in the uh, the the, the funding of being able to show it to eyeballs, right? So this kind of thing, if the show is not built as an anthology series like uh, The Twilight Zone uh, or Tales from the Crypt or even, uh, what was it, Black, Black Mirror, yeah. whatever, what have you, uh, then it's one thing because you're going in knowing it's an anthology, anthology show. But this one, it just it seems like they're just trying to see how much money more, how much more money they could make off of this Walking Dead brand. Yeah, I mean, I guess so if you're super pessimistic about it. I personally like the idea of an anthology series in this universe. They're not tied down by 10 years of backstory and, and, and uh, previous plot points and things like that. Maybe in some ways they will be, but it could be interesting to fill in some gaps, right, of six-year time jump in the main story. Who knows what happened during that period? Um, or, or just going back really early in the, in the zombie outbreak. I think it could be interesting. I see your point, though, about it being a cheap way to make a lot of money. But let's be honest, who doesn't want to do that? Yeah, I know I do. Yeah. Right? Exactly. That'd be great if I could figure out a way to make an anthology show of uh, something that is uh, very popular. <laughs> yeah, like maybe exactly. I could make a Walking Dead anthology show. I don't see why they wouldn't hire you to do that. You know? <laughs> no, no, I'm just going to make it. Oh yeah, sure. I, mean, I got an iPhone. I can film shit. <laughs> <Why not? laughs> Post it online. Sell commercials. Yeah, of course. Get sued. It's all good. Totally sued, but make have a lot of publicity. Yeah. Well, Dan in Columbus, Ohio, wrote in and said, "I can't believe we have an end date. It's crazy that the main show will be over." It does seem like we will have ample Walking Dead content for a long time, though. I'm especially excited about the Tales of the Walking Dead show. Being able to fill in gaps and see old characters would be great. If it lands well, it could be like the World War Z novel. Because that was a bit of an anthology, right? 
It it well it was it was a bunch of different stories so yes yeah. it was a bit of an anthology there was an overarching story there and uh, I liked the way that uh, there was a lot of that that book that I really liked yeah me too I agree and so, I wish they would have made the movie like the book and not the hot mess that that movie was yeah no there was parts of it I kind of liked but that third act was terribly unfortunate agreed agreed I liked but some it of that movie it's not their fault it's not their fault I mean they were trying to. Uh, you know, film in, I think it was in Russia where they need, wanted to film the third act and they shipped all their fake weapons to Russia and the customs went, whoa, weapons. And then they said, no, you can't have these. It's like, but we need those. It's like, no, you can't have those. And you can't film here anymore. Oh man. Now we have to film indoors at a third location. Oh, I didn't hear that story. That's interesting. Yeah. That's, it's, uh, it's probably a mashup of reality in my own brain, but. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't necessarily just because, uh, the whole thing went off the rails. It was because of production issues that they had with that third act. They okay. Had to scramble to get the fucking thing in the can. Interesting. Well, yeah, you're right. That movie wasn't amazing, but the book was cool. And, uh, we could maybe have a cool Walking Dead anthology. I mean, yes, they could, if they do it right. I'm, I'm trying not to be cynical in my life in general. If they do it right, there could be some interesting stuff there. Like they could, they, they would, they'll have a hard time fucking with canon though, right? They're not going to be able to go, oh, this is an anthology show, or this is an episode that takes place in Washington, D.C., and we see that the, the zombie outbreak was caused by aliens, right? They can't do that because it's no. going to mess with the canon of all the rest of the shows. So they, uh. They won't be able to do that, but even though that'd be cool, or maybe I could get my dinosaurs with lasers on them or a nice lich here or there. Uh-huh. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that they could do with an- this anthology show that they couldn't do with the regular show. Cause can you imagine how Rick would have to handle a lich showing up? I mean, that would just mess everything up. Right. And people complain, ah, what are you putting a lich in there for? Now they can do that. I guess they can make it more of a what if than an anthology. Yeah, like the Twilight Zone, right? Well, there you go. You just you just you marry uh, the Walking Dead with the Twilight Zone, and uh, you've got all kinds of possibilities for aliens and dinosaurs with lasers. All right. Well, I've got two quotes here from the people in charge. The first one is Scott Gimple. It's a little bit long, but he said, "It's been ten years gone by. What lies ahead are two more to come, and stories and stories to tell beyond that. What's clear is that this show has been about the living." made by a passionate cast, team of writer-producers, producers and crew, bringing to life the vision put forth by Robert Kirkman in his brilliant comic, and supported by the best fans in the world. We have a lot of thrilling story left to tell on The Walking Dead, and then this end will be a beginning of more Walking Dead. Brand new stories and characters, familiar faces and places, new voices, and new mythologies. This will be a grand finale that will lead to new premieres. Evolution is upon us. The Walking Dead lives. Right. We're going to have an ending that will not be an ending. And then we get more. And then we get more. Angela Kang said, The Walking Dead flagship series has been my creative home for a decade, and so it's bittersweet to bring it to an end. But I could not be more excited to be working with Scott Gimple and AMC to to develop a new series for Daryl and Carol. Working with Norman Reedus and Melissa McBride has been a highlight of my career, and I'm thrilled that we get to keep telling stories together. There I mean, that's, that's nice, right? It is nice. So there you go. So, holy crap, Jason, The Walking Dead is ending after season 11. We still have, 
you know, almost two years probably before the final episode will air, but only 31 more episodes to cover on this podcast. Of course, there are the other shows still. World Beyond only has two seasons. Fear, who knows what's going to happen. And then we've got these other new ones coming up. So it doesn't sound like there will be any shortage of Walking Dead content for you and I to talk about if we choose to do so, which we have some time to decide. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's lots to do, right? There's other shows that we may uh, review or you know discuss. Mm-hmm. There's the opportunity to go back and rewatch what we have already talked about. Also true. Uh, like I, like I've mentioned before, I've never gone back and rewatched a single episode after podcasting about it. Uh, so I would like to do that. I would like to go back and start at season one and, uh, watch it again and see how my perspective on that has changed. That would be, uh, interesting to do. Yeah. I, I tend to rewatch shows over and over and over again. I've seen house like three times. This is my <laughs> second complete run through of 24 that I'm working on. Yep. Uh, you know, elementary, I've watched a couple of times, uh, lost at least four times. Jeez, man. Uh, I, I, I can't think Battlestar Galactica. I can't, for some reason, I love that show so much. I can't watch it anymore. I don't mm. know why. I don't know. I was thinking of introducing the kids to Lost, and so we might start a Lost rewatch in the house. Oh, that's I think, a great idea. I think they're old enough now, yeah. All right, before we do a little bit of listener feedback, just one other thing I wanted to mention here, and that is that we all know that the season 10 finale, episode 16, will be on AMC on October the 4th. But if you are an AMC Plus subscriber, which I think used to be called AMC Premiere, Although I'm not sure if those are different services or what anymore, but according to uh, bloodydisgusting.com, it's AMC+. The episode will be available on AMC streaming service on October the 1st, so a whole four days early. So I really just mentioned that as a reminder in case you are a subscriber to the service or are about to become one, you will get to see the premiere a few days early. Nice. So keep that in mind. Probably not available in Canada, I assume. Not available in Canada, no. So you and I are screwed, at least when it comes to that. We got to yeah. wait like everybody else and then I mean, watch there's it. There's a downside to it, but generally speaking, we get to live in Canada, so it's worth the trade, <laughs> in my opinion. 100%. All right, uh, let's do a short bit of listener feedback before we get into our uh, main review. Listener Feedback. So I have two items here, both about our coverage of the Twilight Zone. Melissa in Maryland writes, I am not a fan of the Twilight Zone, but I'm a huge fan of your show. So after listening to your coverage of the season two episodes this summer, I decided to stop your most recent podcast in the middle of your discussion of Try, Try, and give both that episode and the finale, or the final one, a look. I have to say, I still don't like the show. (laughs) (laughs) It has always come across to me as detached storytelling and unlikable characters, which I'm pretty sure is by design, and that hasn't really changed with Jordan Peele. Anyways, in watching the end of Try, I thought you missed something important in your discussion about why the man walks away. In the final scene, I think it's hugely important that the woman pointedly saves herself from the bus. I think this is a metaphor for the entire situation, with the bus representing the man. By beating the shit out of him in the museum, she freed herself from him and now he will be and now will be able to avoid the entire situation by saving herself from the bus. 
He knows this, knows that she is free, and so keeps going. He knows he can't imp impact her anymore. I wonder if she never would have been hit by the bus at all, and his act was always a facade of, I saved you, when really, she never needed his intervention in the first place. After all, if nothing ever changes in his day, he would have known that she wouldn't be hit and was just acting like she would have been. Or, if this is truly a change, perhaps this means his loop is now broken. Either way, it's like a modern fairy tale where the quote-unquote savior prince has pushed himself in, uninvited and unneeded, screwed everything up for the woman, and she had to overcome him to get on with her successful life. Right. So I think that's a fantastic take on it. Just the fact that, uh, you know, she saved herself from the bus. She didn't need him to do anything. And that's kind of broken the chain here, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, I'm not entirely sure that uh, she was not going to save herself from the bus in the first place. I think he was a charlatan in pretending to save her from the bus in order to get her attention. Right. But, but I, I like the metaphor of uh, she doesn't need saving and she never did. She, she never did need saving, right? Yeah. He steps in and does it, tries to insert himself into her life, totally unwelcomed. And the fact that she kicked his ass that one time kind of set him on a different loop, right? A little bit, right? She's, yeah. she's stood up for herself, which um, has changed everything. So I like it. And, right. uh, and he, you know, he's the, the false white knight that comes in and saves the day from, uh, something that was not a threat in the first place. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Asshole. And, and, uh, you know, I appreciate Melissa, you writing in to, to point that out because it didn't really occur to me when I was walk, watching it or talking about it, but I think it's a really great interpretation of it. So thank you. Next up, we have a call from Kate. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jason. This is Kate in San Francisco again. So my sister and I finished up watching season two and we liked it. Uh, there were some episodes we liked more than others, but I suppose that that's true of any TV show. Here's the thing. The episodes that we thought were the weakest were the ones that involved aliens, specifically aliens taking over the world. It's not my favorite. My favorite is when the explanation isn't really explained properly, it's just that, hey, they're in the twilight zone, so stuff goes down. I thought that the best episodes were the Jillian Jacobs one, the Topher Grace one, and the bank robber one. And they didn't really explain what happened, and I like that. could be a personal preference. Without spoiling season one, though, I mean, there was also an episode where it had to do with aliens taking over the world. And then it just so happened that when my sister and I ran out of season two episodes, we watched a vintage Rod Serling one. And the moral to the story at the end was, according to Rod Serling, was don't drink and drive because aliens. It's just not my favorite. I feel like it worked better in the 60s when maybe aliens were more on people's mind because space travel is new. I don't think too much about aliens nowadays, and I might be unique in that. However, the other thing that we noticed was that there were a couple times when people in the episode found out the weird thing that was going on. They just accepted it really quickly. For instance, I'm thinking of the couple whose daughter turned out to be an alien, and they just accepted it. They were just like, oh, okay, of course she's an alien. And then 
the other one, the small town episode where when people found out the main character was manipulating the town based on his model, you know, I, I think someone said right away, oh, so that's why there was that huge tarantula. So, oh, and the one last thing about aliens is that I seem to remember vaguely a old episode, Rod Serling again, where the aliens actually came to help the world. And that was a lot more interesting. Anyway, have enjoyed the coverage and hope you do season three. That would be so fun. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Kate, for sending that in. So I think the uh, the first drinking and driving episode she's referring to in the Twilight, in the original Twilight Zone series is an episode from season five called Stopover in a Quiet Town, in case okay. anyone's interested in looking that one up. I'm not sure about the second one where aliens come to help the humanity, but, you know, I do know that the Canimates, the aliens from the season finale of what we talked about last time, first appeared in season three of the original Twilight Zone in an episode called To Serve Man. So that kind of sounds like they're coming to help humanity. So maybe that's yeah. sh what she was thinking of. Um, but otherwise, the the only point I would sort of take, you know, uh, maybe disagree with a little bit that Kate had there is that in the episode with um, uh, Jenna Elfman and Christopher Maloney, where, you know, her daughter, their daughter comes back and she's an alien. I don't think they accepted it right off the bat. In fact, her father doesn't really accept it at all until the very end, right? Sure, Jenna Elfman kind of does, but that's sort of what the episode was about in a way. Their, uh, their different approaches to the return of their daughter. I think I may have mentioned this in uh, our discussion of that particular episode and other ones I can't remember exactly, but I think that uh, you know the format of having all of this stuff happen in a single episode a lot of time seems really quick, right? They have to get from point A to point B to point C so fast that uh, I think that in this particular episode, I absolutely agree that sure, uh, there was some resistance there, but I think that uh, the resistance to accept would last a lot longer than the four and a half minutes that it took them to mm -hmm. accept what was going on. I mean, they showed a token, like in the episode, they showed a token amount of resistance uh, and unacceptance, and that was supposed to represent uh, a longer time frame of them coming to terms with this or them coming around to this. But in reality, uh, in the actual time frame of the episode, it happened so fast that I absolutely, I absolutely agree yeah. that it seemed that it was very, very fast. Yeah, it should have taken half a season to do that, not. Right four and a half minutes of episode time. Right. And that's what we talked about. Some of the ideas in some of these Twilight episodes are big enough that they kind of warrant more time, half season, full season, entire show sometimes, you know, who knows? Uh, but yeah. you're right. We talked about that. All right. Thank you so much, Kate, for calling in and sort of wrapping up our Twilight Zone coverage. Um, I would love to do season three when it comes out someday. And hopefully it does. Because, uh, as everyone knows, I'm a huge fan of the Twilight Zone and I enjoy talking about it. Yes. All right, Jason, let's move on into our quick review of Blood Quantum. Mm-hmm. So this is a movie starring, or written and directed by a guy named Jeff Barnaby. It stars Michael Gray Eyes, who you will remember from Fear the Walking Dead. I do. It also stars El Maya Tailfeathers. 
and Forest Good Luck. So I, I, I apologize. I don't know if I've got El's, El Maya perfect, uh, perfect there, but uh, it's the best I can do. And Gary Farmer. Don't forget Gary Farmer. Do we know Gary Farmer from somewhere? I do. I know Gary Farmer from uh, a great many things. I've seen him in, uh, oh, we're going to have to look him up. So Longmire specifically. So okay. I know you didn't watch Longmire, but I did. Uh-huh. Uh, I've seen him and he's very much a that guy actor for me. I've seen him in like so many things. I knew exactly who he was. It's like, oh, it's that guy. Okay. Like, well, that, that's the nature of a that guy actor, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen him and he's from Ontario. Yeah. So. Well, a, a lot of the actors in this are Canadian or indigenous Canadian. Uh, if that's even a way of describing that. I, I'm sorry. I don't know. But um, and it was filmed in Quebec, so very, very Canadian heavy movie. Um, now I'm going to read the description from IMDb, but there's kind of a spoiler in this description, but I'm going to do it anyways, because we're going to spoil this movie as we talk about it. So just know that starting now, there will be spoilers for Blood Quantum. The description spoiler is a mild one, but it's still there. So I just wanted to throw that warning out. So IMDb describes this movie this way. The dead are coming back to life outside the isolated Micmac reserve of Red Crow, except for its indigenous inhabitants who are strangely immune to the zombie plague. Yeah, I didn't, that was a spoiler. Well, that is a spoiler because I didn't know that going in and I'm like, all the main characters are getting bitten. (laughs) <laughs> this is weird. I was trying to, I was my racking my brain to trying to figure out who the main character was because all the main characters, they seem to get bites on them. And I'm like, well, what's going on here? You can't kill everybody off. Yeah. I was like, this movie's going to be really short. <laughs> yeah. What are they going to do? But so I thought they were messing with the, um, with the lore, mm-hmm. right? Uh, bite doesn't mean death. Okay. That's, that's how I have to see this is that you, you get bitten unless you're actually killed by the zombie. Uh, you don't die. Right. So here, here's the way it sort of sets up. Um, we have Michael Grayeyes, who plays a character named Trailer, who is the local police sheriff of this little uh, community. Mm-hmm. And we kind of follow him through the beginning. We, we see they set up the zombie outbreak by showing us that animals are coming back to life. You know, his father catches fish. <laughs> Those fish were fucking crazy. That was, that was very creepy. It was weird, man. He, he guts the fish and yet they still flop around on the table onto the ground. Um, a dog as well, a dog, you know, dies and then, uh, ends up coming back and attacking Michael Gray eyes almost. And he has to shoot it again. And, and then we see some pretty heavy shit go down involving humans and, um, you know, after a particularly horrific scene, we end up jumping six months into the future, which is after the initial outbreak and mm-hmm. kind of after they've survived that, you know, initial problem and kind of set up a, set up a, a living compound compound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then that's the, the second two thirds of the movie are really what happens after that point. But, um, Yes. We see a lot of our main characters get bitten at the, in that opening 20 minutes. And yep. then it's revealed by jumping six months into the future that, oh, they're bitten. They aren't affected by it. They can recover from that and continue to live. Yeah. 
I really uh, let's let's go back to the beginning there for a second. Sure. Uh, the opening sequence, the credit sequence, uh, I assume was done with drones. It was very trippy and very interesting. Oh man, I made exactly the same note. It's a bunch of aerial shots, but the camera is like twisting around and upside down, and it's really cool looking. But it gave me a really uneasy feeling. Yeah, and because it never really resolved, right? It would go, it would kind of, the camera would turn and then pan and then kind of dip towards the water, but it wouldn't go in the water. So it would shot, it would jump to another, uh, jump cut to another shot of the camera twisting in a different direction. It was very unsettling, Mm -hmm. but very interesting. Like it wasn't uh, nauseating for me. Uh, I found it uh, really cool. And it put me in a notice the cinematography mode that uh, kind of went through at least the first 20 minutes. I kind of got away from it because I very rarely actually pay attention to cinematography. But during the first uh, 10 or 15 minutes of this uh, this movie, I thought the cinematography was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I agree with that. I think it was good. I think overall the whole movie was a pretty well shot movie, actually. Um, yeah. That opening cinematography was amazing and uh, definitely unsettling. The, a lot of the stuff in that first 20 minutes was really well done. Once we jump ahead into the future, it's a different feel, you know, because we're inside this compound and there's walls up and, you know, stuff. And that's when like most of the, the zombie stuff takes place, although not all of it. Um, but overall I thought really cool set design, really cool cinematography and, you know, they were probably limited a little bit by the budget in sort of set pieces and action scenes and so on. Yeah. But I also think they did a really good job with whatever budget they had. I I enjoyed watching most of this film. I think a lower budget can actually be an enhancement to a movie. Yeah. Because you have to make decisions that uh, are not just how you, well, they may be just how you want the movie, but there's going to be decisions that you make that uh, fit the budget instead of going with decisions that uh, are millions of dollars. Like, sure, you might have an idea. I could, oh, I I wonder if we could do this. Absolutely, you could do that. Let's buy, let's hire, uh, you know, Industrial Light and Magic to to do some CG for us. Uh, And then you can do whatever the fuck you want, right? (laughs) But if you're, if you're limited saying, okay, no CG, all practical effects. Uh, we want to film this aerial sequence. Uh, you know, do we a buy a drone or b hire a helicopter for six days and fly around at low altitude? Uh, you know, buy a fucking drone or rent a drone, a really good drone, because I, I assume you want to have a good camera uh, flying around. And if you want a good camera flying around, you better have a good drone because you don't want that thing flopping out of the sky no. with a really good camera on it. No, you do not. Or you, yeah, you. Uh rent a helicopter and, and then you're like, um, all right, cameraman, Jimmy, you're hanging out of this helicopter and spinning around while you shoot stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then you got to pay for fuel. Like I'm sure helicopter fuel is not cheap. Probably Drone not. fuel. It's just electricity, right? No problem. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Uh, well, yes, the, the opening 20 minutes culminates in a scene that really hammers home the fact that we are in a zombie apocalypse here before we jump ahead six months. Yeah. Uh, it was fucked, man. That, that <laughs> scene, like it, you know, we start, Michael gray eyes goes to investigate something going on in a house 
he finds a a woman who's uh eating a baby a zombie oh. woman who's eating a baby and like you yeah. see the baby it sounds horrible I, and I it got, is i got baby problems but i didn't really have a problem with this like babies in danger bug me uh fake dead babies that are being eaten that are obviously fake dead babies that doesn't really bother me well, for some reason. I'm, I'm not sure what it is. I'm glad you can separate that. But like, for me, it was like, oh my God, please don't let the whole movie be like this. I don't want to have to watch that over again. And then, right. you know, the zombie comes running outside and Michael Gray Eyes defends himself by beating her in the face with the butt end of his gun. And that's a really yeah. graphic scene. And that's immediately followed by a, a, a graphic chainsaw scene. So... <laughs> they they really went all out comically graphic it was uh, <laughs> i laughed i thought it was funny and i was not really laughing because it was funny i was laughing because i was delighted okay well fair but there's a slight difference there i i i kind of agree with you but i found the whole thing just overwhelmingly horrific and i was like oh my god is this movie all gonna be like this uh, and then we jump ahead six months and i'm like oh i didn't i didn't see that coming i didn't yep. you know so then i was distracted by that so um, the other thing I noticed in the opening 20 minutes is that Michael Gray Eyes, Gray Eyes character uses a, a gun that really reminded me of Rick's Python. It's big and it looks like it. It's a big revolver. There's lots of big revolvers. Are there? I, I assume. Okay. I don't well, have a big revolver, but I assume that if I was going to buy a revolver, I'd buy a big revolver. Well, he has a big revolver and it reminded well, me of Unless I need a small revolver, right? Like, a, uh, you know, a Saturday night special is a good thing to have if you need to sneak uh, a small revolver in a club. <laughs> Don't indoors, do that. No. In the, no, no. I'm thinking of like in the 60s. Oh, of course. Right? And, and storytelling, right? Uh, but, you know, it depends on what you need. If you, if you, if you have a big revolver, you got to carry it around in a holster that is accessible by apparently everybody, mm. because when you need a gun, you can just take it out of the police chief's holster and use it for whatever need you, you want. And, uh, the police chief will just stand there and go, uh, Oh, what are you doing with that revolver until after it's fired? And then he freaks out. Well, trailer in this movie had a big gun and it reminded me of Rick's. He did. So once we're six months in the future, um, the movie, uh, while I liked it, I didn't find it quite as interesting as this first opening bit, to be honest with you. And maybe it was just me, but I also found it slightly difficult to follow, even though I think it was a pretty simple plot line. Okay. So it wasn't just me. I had, uh, you know, we were in the middle of uh, the second part and uh, all of a sudden there's zombies everywhere and I'm like how the fuck did that happen and I had to go back and uh, try and uh, I shuttled around a little bit to try and find the plot point that I had missed and I found it and uh -huh. everything's fine but I uh, okay well the, the way I saw this film is they've established this walled community we know that the indigenous people are immune to it the non-indigenous people are not immune to it yep. um, and what happens is Somebody, you know, brings new people into the community, basically. They bring in these new residents and um, it becomes a point of contention with some of the characters because they're like bringing in too many people. They're bringing in people that aren't immune. So it's kind of yep. a safety thing and so on. And then uh, the one guy, oh, whose name I can't remember right now, um, he goes away. They have a party. And then- Lysol. Lysol. That's right. Lysol. It's a weird name. 
he uh, intentionally brings a zombie back and essentially introduces it into this community. And no, not really. So there was a whole uh, exposition part, which I thought was kind of laughable, where Michael Gray Eye's trailer was uh, had a map on the back of his car, and he was explaining to the people that he's known for years and that have been with him since the beginning of the zombie outbreak exactly how everything was set up. Right, he said, okay, this is where we have the boats tied up. This is where the compound is and yeah. with these roads coming in. This is where we're keeping all the other people that aren't immune. They're in this uh, community center and it's outside of their compound. Okay, I remember right? that, yeah. So that, which was kind of funny. It's like me explaining to you how we're going to accomplish podcasting. Right. Right, it's just like we've both been here from the beginning. If I was going to explain it to you, there's obviously a camera that needs to uh, get this on film to show it to a third party. Right. So this, this exposition was laughable okay. in my opinion. It was one of the weak points of the movie, but in that explanation, they set everything up. So what Lysol did was he had a party at his house and this person showed up at the community and she was, uh, they asked her, you know, uh, have you been eating people? Have you been eating dogs? Have you, have you been bitten? And she answered no to all of the above. And so, but she had been bitten because she pulled up her shirt and showed us in the mirror. Mm -hmm. She went to the party at Lysol's house. She died and became a zombie and started eating Lysol. So Lysol got pissed off, put her in the trunk of the car and her and Gary Farmer drove that zombie in the trunk of her car to the community center where all the non, uh, immune people were, which was outside of the compound oh. and released her into that setting in order to fuck shit up. Okay. So my misunderstanding was that he took her back to their main compound and l released the zombie. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. He took so her two separate compounds. Got it. He took her to eliminate all the people he was unhappy with, you know, fostering anyways. Yes. Now, how the outbreak actually happened inside the compound, I'm not entirely sure about that one. Well, either way. that happened too. Okay, yeah, that's true. But the point is, he released the zombie in there. It screwed everything up. And then Michael Gray Eyes and his team had to come back and try to rescue some people that were still alive yes. in the basement of it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And so then... That forces that group of characters on the run, and ultimately they're basically rescued on a small boat. They get to some water, they're rescued on a small boat, uh, where they end up going, and um, if they make it there, remains unresolved at the end of the movie. Right. And then the other thing that I haven't mentioned is that part of that group is a pregnant woman who's not immune. And her baby may or may not be important. To the may story. or may not be immune. May or may not be immune, I guess, right? Because the baby is half indigenous, half white. Yes. All right. So she, the baby is born on the boat and then she has to be killed because she's been bitten and isn't immune. So that's where the movie ends. Yes. And I really like the final shot of the movie, pun intended. Because I don't know if you noticed this, but when he fired that pistol, uh, like it was a very, it was a very good shot. Like it was, sorry, that pun was not intended. Uh -huh. The camera shot was very well done. It was well framed. I thought it was, uh, thought the cinematography was solid. But after he pulls the trigger, uh, 
I don't know if you noticed, but in the background was a tiny little splash. And that was the casing from the bullet that he had fired from the gun. Attention to detail. I don't know if he fired a real shot. Like I was using a real gun with a real bullet to catch that scene or not. I don't know how it was done or whether, uh, if maybe he used a blank, if he used a blank, that would also eject the casing. Uh, so, but that splash at the end, I'm like, whoa, that was the casing. That's Hmm. cool. That is cool. I was really happy with that. I didn't really see that very often. No, I didn't notice that at all. It was shot from far enough away that the, the woman he was aiming at could have been a dummy, I think. So Maybe it was a real gun. You never know. I don't know if that's allowed in movies, but who knows? Well, I guess it depends on where you're filming. True. Right? Could if be. you're filming someplace, well, it wouldn't be in Canada. I can tell you that because uh, firing a uh, a pistol, a real pistol outside is illegal. Yeah, fair. And I, I, as far as I know. Even in uh, Quebec. Well, yeah, in <laughs> Quebec, but- I think that, well, the laws are a lot tighter here on firearms usage. Of like course. you can take a shotgun out into the woods and fire it off all you want, right? And you can take a rifle out into the woods and fire it off all you want. As long as you're not on somebody's property and you're not in the middle of a city, uh, you're generally pretty good. Okay. Well, I don't right? know. They were on a boat in- They were on a boat in the middle of the water somewhere, but that pistol, it looked like a real, well, it might've been even a real pistol, but using blanks. Sure. But anyway, I don't know what happened, but I thought that that, uh, the cinematography of that ending scene was fantastic and real, the practical effects were well done as well. There you go. So, yeah, so I liked it too. Um, it's kind of a typical zombie movie ending where you don't really resolve anything. You, we don't know where they're going or if they make it there. So it just kind of ends on a, on a hope. Maybe it's neither a depressing nor an uplifting ending, I would say. Um, the other thing we get towards the end is a rather cliche moment where, you know, one character stays behind on the land to fight off the zombies and he's the one character that uses a sword. So it's kind of a fun, cool, uh, zombie battle moment. I I enjoyed watching that, but I also thought to myself, well, I could have told you this was coming, you know, somebody's going to stay back, sacrifice themselves and they're going to get away. Well, yeah, of course. Right. But that was fun. So in general, I don't think the movie really brought that much new or inventive, but the immunity idea was kind of cool. And now that I've got a better handle on the actual plot, I'm totally fine with the, you know, events of the film. So I kind of liked it. It was a pretty decent entry, I thought, into independent zombie filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Did you get the reference to Blood Quantum? Do you know why it was called Blood Quantum? Um, I, I, yeah, I looked it up. It has to do with um the blood quantum laws. So in the states they had uh there's these laws to determine how uh, how much of your percentage of your blood is indigenous uh and how much is not. Right. Right. right? right. And that's being used um from what I understand or from what I've seen on TV and TV episodes about uh, uh casinos that are on reserves. Mm-hmm. They will use this percentage of blood as a determining factor as to whether or not you get a piece of the casino, whether oh, you see. are entitled to a piece of the profits from the casino. If you are, uh, if your percentage of in indigenous blood is too low, you don't get a percentage. So they have that cutoff point and they move that cutoff point 
Uh, from what I've seen on TV, the plot of the television show was the fact that they would move that cutoff point to uh, exclude as many people as they possibly could so that everybody that has more than that uh, gets a bigger share. Oh, I see. Okay. Right. So, but these blood quantum laws, uh, the idea was that, uh, you know, the indigenous people are immune and uh, the mother of this baby was not indigenous. Would the baby be immune? So that's the, you know, it's based on the percentage of indigenous blood in the baby's system, right? Whether or not the immunity would be there. So that's the big question is, is the baby enough, uh, has enough indigenous percentage of their blood, which is kind of a ridiculous thing anyway, right? Because, you know, how, how much of your, uh, your blood is indigenous and how much is not, or how much of it is you know, percentage wise, it's kind of a ridiculous concept. It kind of is. And I mean, you're 50, 50, you're 50% genes from the father and the mother and, you know. Yeah. But, you know, it's such a human con construct, right? Like right. who gives a shit first of all? And second of all, I mean, if you're one quarter, you know, this, this, it's been used for evil for so long. Right, like how much, uh, you know, how much Jewish Jewish blood do you have in you? It depend, depends on whether or not you can be a, a member of the Nazi Party, and that determines whether or not you will be, you know, exiled from the country uh, by the Nazi Party. You know, that was also used in in that realm. You know, for the for indigenous in the indigenous realm, it was used there. It's just a ridiculous concept, but yeah. this was a kind of a statement on uh, that system of, uh, you know you know, are you, how much of uh, your blood is indigenous? And that could be construed as, you know, if you're more than certain amount, you're not a good person. Sure. You'll be excluded from all this, you know, society. But in this case, it's the more indigenous blood you have in you, the better chance you have of surviving uh, the zombie apocalypse. I, I wonder if they should have run with that a little bit more and made it more of a, a point to, 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 make us at least wonder like is the fact that like can someone who's 50 percent here um be immune and therefore can we start spreading around or how much do we need to start spreading around and creating more immune humans to this is there hope that you know over time the yeah. immunity could spread enough and people would no longer be affected by this i mean i don't think the movie went there but not really, it but if have. the movie did go there, I don't think it could have gone there you know, with the ending that they had because no, uh, basically what we had was uh, a mom and her son and his baby. And in order to populate the earth, uh, repopulate the earth with people that were immune, he's going to have to have a baby with his mom. Well, he's going to have to have a lot of babies with a lot of women. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Dr. Strangelove had that, you know, married to, anyway, that was a good movie. <laughs> and it had to do with, uh, we could only take, uh, you know, a couple of men down into our secret hole in order to survive the, uh, nuclear apocalypse, but we have to have a whole lot of women and, uh, every man is going to have at least eight wives in order to repopulate the earth. Mm. So such a male center. Do we have any volunteers? It's funny. <laughs> it's so yeah. funny. All right. Well. I liked Blood Quantum, um, and I, liked it too. I think you should give it a chance. Uh, now that you know the entire story, <laughs> you know, give it a watch. It's it's a fun movie. It's available on Shutter, or you can purchase it on other other services. 
Well, that's a good question. I mean, it's a Canadian movie. It was in the Toronto International Film Festival. Mm-hmm. How the hell do you get it in Canada? What do you mean? Shutter. Shutter's not... Yes, it is. is it... Shutter's available here. Shutter in the United States? No, it's available in Canada too. Is it now? All and right. it's available on streaming services for an extra cost. Uh, I think at least Amazon Prime and maybe uh, iTunes, but I didn't check iTunes. So it's available, so give it a try. And yeah, it was in TIFF um, last year. TIFF is actually currently on or starting right now. How the hell are they doing that? Are people showing up at the theaters? I think I think so, in socially distant theaters and masks and all that. And there's probably some online stuff as well, but I must admit I haven't really looked into it this year. They probably don't have a lot of celebrities, or at least American celebrities or U.S. celebrities. I mean, maybe the Canadian celebrities will show up. Maybe. I don't know the Toronto-based celebrities. There could be some. Uh, but yeah, I don't yeah. think anyone's coming from the States this year. Yeah, it's like the, uh, I think, what is the quote? Uh, a study in, in fame in Canada. Or, aren't you, what's his name? It's <laughs> about right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you're only really famous in Canada if you're famous in the U.S. as well. I- Mike Myers, Lauren Green. I don't know why Lauren Green came up. Why not? Uh, well, you know, Lauren Green, green card, coincidence? I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, Ryan Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds, he's Canadian, that's right. Seth, Seth Rogen? Seth Rogen is also Canadian. There's lots of Canadians that are famous in Canada because they're famous in the U.S. I suppose so. The Tragically Hip, mostly famous in Canada. Yeah, they are mostly famous in Canada. Bands are another thing, but that has to do with CanCon, right? I suppose that's true. For those of you who don't know what CanCon is, uh, Canadian government has dictated that a certain percentage of radio play has to be Canadian content. So CanCon, Canadian content. Which is a blessing and a curse. Let's just put it, it that way. Well, it's both. I mean, it, it gives Canadian artists a chance because we'd just be overwhelmed with the, with the U.S. Uh, m- m- music that comes into Canada. So it gives Canadians a chance. And a lot of good Canadian music has been able to shine because of uh, that percentage of Canadian content. It's like the, speaking of percentage of blood. Right. It's not the percentage of their blood. It's just, you know, it just has to be, you know, written by a Canadian or performed by a Canadian or recorded in Canada or whatever. All right. Well, very good. You can look up CanCon if you want to uh, learn more. Okay, that's going to wrap up this podcast. Next time, Jason, I have a task for you. Oh, man. Okay. Pick a Something year. Something else I got to do. Pick a year. Let's say between 1950 and 2000. Right now? Right now. Pick one. 1977. 1977. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. I want you to pick a number between 1 and 10. Five. Number five. The number five movie of 1977 by U.S. box office gross was a film called The Goodbye Girl. Oh, that's like my favorite movie of all fucking time. Well, next week on the podcast, we're going to talk about The Goodbye Girl. Oh, I'm so happy about that. Richard Dreyfuss, uh, I actually, the little girl in that movie, I met her. Uh, this, like, seriously, the Goodbye Girl for years, decades, has been one of my all-time favorite movies. Well, I've never seen it, so 
I think there's some serendipity here that you chose the goodbye girl kind of randomly. And uh, we're going to talk about it next week. Yeah, I kind of thought that you might be talking about movies, so I picked a year that I thought there was some good movies. Okay, well, as soon as you <laughs> picked 77, I'm like, oh, we're going to have to do Star Wars. <laughs> well, I kind of thought, oh yeah, that's your Star Wars. That came out in May of Star Wars, so I'm going to pick five. Yeah, well, <laughs> Star Wars was number one. Here, really quickly, here's all the movies that we could have covered when you chose 1977. Star Wars, Smoking the Bandit, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Saturday Night Fever, The Goodbye Girl, A Bridge Too Far, The Deep, The Spy Who Loved Me, James Bond, Oh God, and Annie Hall. So I'll be honest with you. I am delighted that you chose The Goodbye Girl at number five because it's one of the few of these that I haven't seen. And there's a few on that list that I don't want to watch again. So good job. (laughs) Like uh, Bridge Too Far? Or Annie Hall, to be honest, I know Annie Hall is considered a masterpiece, but when I watched it, I didn't love it. So I, yeah, I don't think I could, I don't think I would, I'd watch it for the podcast, but I don't think I'd watch that again under my own devices. Which I'd is, watch the Goodbye Girl again. Well, I'd watch Star Wars again. I'd watch, uh, what was the second and third movies? Smoking the Bandit, Close Encounters. Close Encounters, I'll definitely watch again someday in my life. Also starring Richard Dreyfuss. Yep. Uh, Smoking the Bandit. I mean, I have it. Right. And I'll, I'm not sure I'd watch it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well. I might, I might watch it by accident. Remember when we could watch movies by accident, flip it through the channels and a movie would come on? You'd be like, yeah, I'm going to watch this. There you go. It doesn't happen anymore to me. I haven't seen The Deep, which is uh, the which was the number seven movie. So that would have been a good choice too, but I'm okay with The Goodbye Girl because I haven't seen that either. So. Next week on the podcast, everyone, we're going to watch The Goodbye Girl as chosen randomly by Jason. Awesome. And then after that, um, we're going to do something else. Rita in South Orange, New Jersey wrote in and said, did you ever do an episode on season one of The Boys on Amazon Prime? I think that's one worth watching. So speaking of the deep. Yeah. After. (laughs) So two weeks from now, we're going to talk about The Boys. Um. I've only currently watched season one. By then, Jason will have watched season one and two. I don't know uh-huh. if I'll have seen season two by then. So we're at least going to do a preliminary episode on The Boys season one. And I'm thinking maybe later in the fall after The Walking Dead finale, maybe a little more of a deep dive on The Boys because it sounds like a show worth talking about. Okay. I, well, it is for me. I mean, last week at this time, I hadn't seen any, but then over the long weekend, we started watching it. And, uh, as soon as the first episode had ended, I turned to my wife and I said, I have a problem. I never want to stop watching this show. (laughs) And then we stayed up way too late that night and way too late the next night. And, uh, a little bit the night after that. And now we're halfway through season two. Nice. Well, I haven't even started season two, but I'm glad to hear you're liking it. Uh, That will be in two weeks. We'll do a bit on the boys and then maybe some more later on. But next week, it's going to be the goodbye girl. And I look forward to that. So there you go. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. It is always a pleasure having you. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can visit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on send voicemail at the top and you can record a message to uh, send our way that is one way that you can also send in your your name recording 
I hope this isn't a weird idea. I think it might be cool, but, uh, you know, give it a try if anyone wants to do it. You know, that's one way to do it. You can also just record any message you want onto your smartphone and, and email it to us. You can check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the talking dead. And that email address, if you want, is talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right. I look forward to the next couple of weeks as we move towards the season finale and episode 500. So until then, my name is Chris. My name is Rick Moranis. Thanks for listening. Bye.